Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. I am Skyblaze and this is the Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. Uh, sorry about last week, I was out of thing. Um, this week, however, I have been busy today. I have been at Sheffield Pride, so that was fun. Um, but today I am going to talk about something that I've kind of covered before. Because a while ago I did an episode about the Sega 3D glasses for the Master System. I'll move my microphone slightly. Uh, but this wasn't the last time that Sega tried to bring 3D to their games. And once again, since most of the games I'm going to be talking about today uh, never made it to market, I'm going to have to cheat quite a bit with the music. So sorry about that, but that's the way it is. So in the early 1990s, uh, Sega started to look into virtual reality, starting with the appropriately named Sega VR. This headset would have built-in LCD screens and stereo headphones, quite similar to modern VR rigs, only much less sophisticated. To keep track of your head position, the headset had inertial sensors which would monitor your head movements 100 times a second to make sure that the scenes updated rap rapidly and the images stayed in sync. Once again, th this kind of worked. It was actually quite competent for the time. Um, although it could get out of sync, which was a problem for a lot of early VR kit. The VR rig was revealed sorry, at the Summer Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, uh, event in 1993. And it was proposed that it would be sold at $200, which was £130 at the time. And it was due to be released in December of that year, with a UK launch in early 1994. However, uh, due to some bad press which were highlighting the issues of virtual reality, such as eye damage, headaches and motion sickness, most of which was relating to a certain infamous Nintendo product called the Virtual Boy, Afraid that Sega VR would get the same reception, it wound up being pulled from Sega's schedule sometime in 1994. Sega's excuse for this was that the effect of their VR was just, quote-unquote, too realistic for the people testing it, in that they were afraid that they would injure themselves by getting too involved in the simulation and running into walls and hitting things. Something which does actually happen with modern VR. I know a number of stories of people who have, um, like, crashed into walls or punched things, uh, uh, knocked over drinks or, you know, kicked tables and things because they haven't realised what's around them because they've been too absorbed in the VR. Difficult to imagine that it happened with um, some of the, the really early VR, though, which looked so primitive. Although I suppose it was very impressive for the time. Oh, hello, BrickGamer98! Uh, Virtual Boy, never heard of it. <laughs> right, so uh, let's start out with some music then. Um, so again, because I don't have any music from these unreleased games, 
Uh, instead, I'm going to have a remix track from Virtual Fighter 2. And this one's from Will Rock of OC Remix, and it's called Jen and Hyendao. And after that, from Cyber Troopers Virtual On, is uh, In the Blue Sky, the 1996 Arranged Edition. So enjoy those, and I'll speak to you guys again after the music break.
and we are back. And that was Cyber Troopers Virtual On in the Blue Sky 1996 arranged version. Um, before that, we had Will Rock from over at OC Remix with uh, Juen and Hyendao, a remix from Virtual Fighter 2. Yeah, I'm aware I'm stretching it with some of these mu some of this music, but I work with what I've got. Now then, uh, the Sega VR did have quite a few games in development, some of which were intended to be bundled with the headset. Uh, sadly, most of these never got developed far enough to make them into full games, and uh, only prototypes are, exist, uh, and sometimes not even that. For example, the first one we'll talk about is called Outlaw Racing. Uh, this doesn't have a huge amount of information on it available, um, but the gameplay was described as follows. Take on 20 other cars in this crush of dirt track combat. Crash and smash into walls and flip end over end in a mud-filled fight to the finish line. The stereo sound will engulf you in the roar of engines and the screeching of tearing metal as you speed for the flag. I don't know about you, but the idea of flipping end over end while wearing it in VR... Uh, doesn't sound comfortable. But maybe they could make it work. I doubt it, but maybe they could have made it work. Another game that, of which there is not a huge amount of info is called Matrix Runner. No, I don't think it was related to uh, the, the Matrix movies. The game's description was as follows. Play an elite super hacker in this unique cyberspace voyage. You have to explore the dark winding databanks of the Matrix, not that one, to solve the mysterious disappearance of your colleagues, knowing that you might be the next victim. In your travels, you will collide with strange semi-humans and vulture-like beings. Okay, then. From what I understand, uh, the kind of uh, bits of information that I could gather, uh, this was supposed to be a cyberpunk adventure game that was inspired by the game Snatcher. Uh, not only that, but it was recycled into another game called Freerunner, which was not a VR game, but again was a cyberpunk adventure game. Unfortunately, this game was also subsequently cancelled, so not a huge amount uh, of it remains. If anybody knows anything more about either of these games, please let me know, because as I said, there's not a huge amount of information uh, out there that I've been able to find. Okay. Um... Gamer says that uh, Outlaw Racing sounds like a cross between Road Rash and Roll Cage. It does a little bit, actually, yeah. Um, or Destruction Derby for the PlayStation. Uh, which I think I... Yeah, I did have that for the original PlayStation. It got pinched when my original PlayStation got pinched. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's have some more music then. Um, so, because we're talking about a racing game, uh, Outrun Saturn version, uh, we're going to have Splash Wave, the 1996 version, and then because uh, Matrix Runner slash uh, Free Runner was based on Snatcher, we're going to have a track from Snatcher appropriately titled Virtual Image. So there you go. Uh, I'll play those and I'll speak to you guys again after the break.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music Snatcher Virtual Image, appropriately enough. And before that, we had Outrun Saturn Splash Wave 1996. Uh, Electro Boogaloo has just arrived in the chat. Not had any requests from them this week, apparently. Uh, Electro Boogaloo's been busy. But that's okay, because so was I. Um, okay. First up, we have two VR first-person shooters, uh, which is something that tends to work reasonably well in VR. Um, first of all, we have a game called Nuclear Rush, which is a shooter where you play as a pirate in a post-nuclear future, where nuclear waste is sought after like long-lost treasures. What? Okay. Uh, the player pilots a hovercraft through radioactive wastelands, fighting off enemies such as heavily armoured robots and drones. There's not a huge amount of information about this thing. Um, so, I, I don't know a huge amount about it. Um, hello to uh, to uh, Supersonic Squ Swag, who has also just joined the chat. So, hello. Uh, they're listening in and playing some games, that's fair. Um, Electric Boogaloo is saying that um, 
there's a uh, a vinyl of the Snatcher soundtrack available, and I like people saying that if they had a record player, they'd get it. I don't have a record player either. There's there's a lot of um, really nice looking vinyl that I'd, I'd quite like to have if I could justify it. The fact that I have a record player, which I don't. Um, where was I? Yeah, the uh, the other first person shooters was a game called Iron Hammer. Uh, in this, you are the pilot of a futuristic aircraft. Uh, there is some gameplay footage of this one, because a prototype was recovered by a fan and shown off at a very small video games expo in Monza in Italy. Uh, this expo was called VGH 2008. Uh, I will put up a link to uh, this footage, so you can have a look for yourself. Um, So you see there, um, what looks like a bare cartridge uh, in a, a Mega Drive. But I won't say bare cartridge. I mean without the plastic shell. So obviously it's not the uh, with the the VR um, component because this game was intended to be able to be used without the headset. So if you were having problems telling virtual reality apart from actual reality, you would could still enjoy your game. I guess. Because Sega were apparently worried about that sort of thing. I'm going to loop the music, because otherwise I'm going to run out. There we go. Uh, and now my cursor's disappeared. Right, there we go. Right, now, just because they Sega cancelled the Sega VR project, it doesn't mean that Sega just stopped working on VR. They actually took the idea a bit further with updated technology and produced something called Deno Senke Netmerk, or Computer Fighting Machine Net Mercenary, uh, which was an arcade machine. Uh, this arcade game was originally known as Tech War, uh, but was renamed uh, simply to Sega Netmerk when William Shatner brought out his Tech War novels and the subsequent game of the same name. Incidentally, I've read the first of the Techno Tech War novels, and they are rubbish. There was a series as well, I think, that got cancelled fairly quickly, and that was also rubbish. They're, f they're like pseudo-cyberpunk boring nonsense, um, like watered-down Blade Runner. It's absolutely awful. Back on topic. Uh, in Sega Network, you are placed into an open battle zone and have to survive and destroy mechs to succeed. Uh, the headset used on this machine was called the Mega Visor Display, or MVD, and was supposed to be used... Uh... Electric Wiggler is saying, yep, and put up the intro for Tech War. Oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah, I thought it, I remember it having a series because I remember it being on uh, Sci-Fi Channel UK and being terrible. Like not just the writing, like everything about it, the cinematography, the music, everything was terrible. Uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, the Megavisor Display or MBD um, had a uh, network along with another uh, video game cabinet which uh, used the MVD. Uh, I don't know what the other one was called, I have not been able to find out, but they were both available at Sega World in London in the Trocadero when that was open. 
Incidentally, I visited the Trocadero uh, Sega World once. Unfortunately, as soon as I walked in, uh, I was there with my parents because I was only like 12 at the time. I might have been even younger than that. Uh, my mother got a migraine from the lights and noise, so I stay. I could only stay for like 20 minutes. It was it was really not great. So I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I, I hoped. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to go back before it closed. So it's very sad. Electric Boogaloo is saying that the 90s were laden with weird Canadian sci-fi shows. Or even American shows that happened to be filmed in Canada because it was cheaper. Uh, Dan is here. Hello, Dan! I'm glad you could make it. I've got a lot of people turning up late today. I think everybody's been busy. Oops. Right, nothing important. I'm just destroying the place, it's fine. Uh, there was a 90s Robocop TV series that was also not great. I vaguely remember the intro for that, but I remember very little else about it. Um, there were some good shows. Uh, like Canadian, there were some decent Canadian uh, sci-fi shows during the 90s, I think. I can't call any to mind right now. But I'm sure they existed. Right. Getting distracted. Uh, right, so for um, Iron Hammer, again, I've not been able to find any music for this, uh, so I've just picked a track that had the word iron in it. Shut up, that's why. So uh, from Shadow the Hedgehog, uh, composed by June, uh, our beloved June Senaway, uh, we've got Iron Jungle. And then after that, from uh, Alien Storm Mega Drive version, we've got a track called Nuclear Dance, which is what I've used for the Nuclear Rush track. So I hope you enjoy those, and uh, speak to you guys again after the musical break. Enjoy!
And we are back. Uh, that was Alien Storm Mega Drive, uh, Nuclear Dance, and before that we had uh, Iron Jungle from Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, Electric Google is saying, I approve of the Alien Storm song. Uh, Alien Storm has got a very underrated soundtrack, I think. Um, it's got some really good tracks in it. Um, yeah, people are, are discussing uh, Canadian TV shows, and uh, somebody said they were watching Star Trek in, in preparation for Star Trek Picard. That looks so good. Um, I'm quite pleased that it's on uh, Amazon Prime in the UK, or will be on Amazon Prime in the UK, um, because I've got Amazon Prime. Hee hee hee. Sounds good. Okay. Back to what I'm actually supposed to be talking about. Taking a small step back in time, in fact, um, to before even the Sega VR. So, in from around 1991, Sega were experimenting with um, holographic technology. Um, so, the little, the tiny little desktop uh, light-based holograms, and they used this technology to design an arcane arcade machine. Um, to where, where the holographic technology was the main draw. There were only two games that are known to have used this technology. Um, the first was called Time Traveller, which is a fairly simple title, where you play as a time-travelling cowboy in a reaction-based game, which worked similarly to a, uh, something like uh, Dragon's Lair. Um, in fact, it, it also used laserdisc technology similar to the Dragon's Lair arcade machines. I'll loop my music, there we go. Uh, where was I? Yeah, similar to the um, Dragon's Lair arcade machines. Um, the other game was called... Uh, where was I? The other game was called Holoseum, which was a fighting game where you can play one of only four fighters. Presumably because of space issues. Uh, the game was developed mainly to deal with the increase in faulty time traveller games. Um, because of the laser disc technology not being hugely reliable, uh, especially the very early iterations of it, um, they were a lot of them were swapped out for Holoseum, which used the Sega System 32 hardware and was therefore a lot easier to maintain because it was mostly solid state. The game sadly had a few notable downsides. Now, Holoseum, that is. For a start, apart from the joystick, there was only one button to attack with, and the area in which you can fight is very small, uh, mainly to keep the holograms as effective as possible, which uh, because they only really worked and were visible within a very small area. Because uh, it's basically light projected onto glass, and this only works for a very, very limited field of view. It was one of the major problems with the technology. Uh, there are some of these um, holographic arcade machines still kicking about. Uh, most, a lot, most of them are in private collections or museums. Uh, I've only ever seen videos of them being used. Um, in fact, I think... Uh, I think it was... Um, oops. Uh, it was Ashens who 
Um, found one. Oops. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ashens. Come on, Google. Why are you doing this to me, Google? Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me, Google? Why? 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 Right, I found Ashen's channel. I'm sure it's on here somewhere. <sighs> Why is YouTube crap? Lashings, maybe it was somebody else. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway. Uh, moving on. Let's have some more music, shall we? Uh, so, let's have some music. So, um, because uh, Time Traveller was similar to how Dragon's Lair worked, um, there's a... I've got a cover version of uh, Dragon's Lair 2. And from... Um, because uh, Holoceum was a fighting game uh, from Fighting Viper's Saturn version, we've got King of the Mountain. So I hope you enjoy those, and I'll speak to you guys again uh, after the break for Chipchun Corner. And I'll see if I can find that video and post it on the Discord.
best Sega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net.
And we are back. Um, that was Fighting Vipers on Saturn, uh, King of the Mountain. And before that we had Dragon's Lair 2, uh, River Caves, um, Johan Anderson cover. And these poor sods in the Discord chat, um, somebody mentioned that there's a new Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series been working, worked on. And uh, 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 BritGamer98, ElectroBoogaloo and uh, IO1980 all said that the first version of the series that they saw was the film from 2005. You all have my deepest and most profound sympathy. Um... Yeah, it, the best version of the the of Hitchhiker's Guide is probably the radio show. Uh, the BBC TV show is pretty good. Um, the books are good. The books are surreal, but they're very good. Um, apart from the final one, mostly harmless, which is just depressing. Anyway, I'm running out the clock at the moment, so uh, let's go into Chip Tune Corner. So for Chimchun Corner this week, uh, I'll be covering an American musician who is actually mostly known for his work composing music for PC games. Uh, Frank Klepaki is an American musician best known for his work on Command and Conquer. Uh, he also worked on the Dune PC games uh, and the Lands of Law series. His work on Command and Conquer Red Alert uh, netted him two awards. His work is recognisable by its unique style, which blends together elements of electronica, rock, orchestral and funk, and is described by Klepaki himself as Rocktronic, which is a really good name for a musical genre. So of course, here is uh, the iconic Command & Conquer track, The Hell March. So enjoy that, and I'll speak to you guys again after the break.
And that was, of course, uh, the Hell March from Command and Conquer by Frank Lepaki. And we're still discussing Hitchhiker's Guide in the chat. Oh well. Everybody's having fun. Uh, right, that's it from me for today. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thanks to Brit Gamer, Electric Boogaloo, Doan, I.I. Uh, I. in the chat. Uh, anybody else who's been listening in, uh, I think Supersonic Swag was listening in as well. Um, anybody else who's been listening in um, and not commenting and just lurking, thank you to, uh, to you guys as well. If you've got any suggestions for anything else you want me to cover on uh, Hidden Palace, please let me know. You can contact me via Twitter or where I'm at Blazing Skies through the Radio Sega Discord, where I'm Skyblaze42, or you can reach me through the Radio Sega Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, um, if you would like, I now have a Patreon page. Uh, it's mostly to support a podcast that I'm working on, which will cover um, human-created disasters. But if you also want to support my work here on Radio Sega, please consider putting in a donation. Um, you'll be able to find me on Patreon if you look up Skyblaze. Or I've put a link in the Discord chat. So if you can please consider doing that, that would be really awesome. Uh, otherwise we've got uh, Saturday Night Sega, which is coming up after I finish here. And... That's it from me. I've been Skyblaze. This has been the Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. Hope to be back next week. I'm not sure what I'm going to cover yet, um, but I'm sure I'll figure something out. So thanks again, everybody. Take care and good night. And one final track to go out on. This is from Virtual Sonic, Metal Sonic. Enjoy. Take care. Good night.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.